Good morning, church. Well, it's a real pleasure to be here with you, and also good morning to everyone joining us online as well. Uh, it's a real pleasure to be here in Penang City. Uh, it's also a real pleasure to be here in Trinity Penang as well. Uh, we, I received a warm welcome uh, from uh, so many people so far since I stepped through the door uh, coming into service this morning. So thank you so much for a warm welcome. It is really indeed uh, a pleasure to be here this morning. Uh, first of all, I want to thank Pastor Shen for the opportunity to share the Word of God with you this morning. Uh, Pastor Shen and I have been buddies for a long time. Uh, we go way back in the days uh, just before university, I guess, just before tertiary education, uh, we, I used to hang out at his place. We would spend the whole day, uh, start, we start in the morning, spend the whole morning playing games. We break for lunch together, and then we would continue in the afternoon all the way until evening. So uh, we've been friends for a really, really long time. So it's uh, really fantastic to be here uh, and also to be sharing the word with you. Um, I bring greetings to you from Wesley Methodist Church, Taiping. They send their love. Uh, and also, it is indeed, uh, I, I notice that your church vision is to nurture disciples to be a spirit-filled and impactful church. And I think that's a fantastic direction to move towards. Uh, this relates very much to what I want to share with you today because you see, to be an impactful church, there is this saying that somebody's mentioned. People come to church for various reasons. Uh, some people come to church for the worship. Some people come to church for the sermon. But ultimately, people stay in church for the relationships. And the best place to nurture and to develop these relationships is through the small groups, through the community, which is the very the very heart of our community is the small group. So, you know, I, I discovered that uh, some principles that we apply as the larger church and also in uh, smaller communities like Methodist men, Methodist women, MSF, MYF, uh, Kids Church, and so on, they all follow the same basic principles that are found in the small group. And this concept of small group came from Jesus' example with his 12 disciples. Now, I understand that not all of us uh, are in small group today. Some of you have positive impressions of the small group. Others, maybe less so. Some of us have been in small group for maybe two to three years. Others, five years, ten years, and perhaps even more. Regardless of how long you have been in small groups, I think we can all agree that all of us forget things sometimes. And uh, we need a little reminder every now and then of the purpose of what small groups are for and the powerful influence that God gives, the, that God gives through the small groups. So just before we dive into God's Word this morning and hear from Him, let's ask Him for His help. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we give you thanks for giving us that you're about to give us your word today. Lord, Holy Spirit, would you please come, feel everyone in church and feel everyone at home. Speak to our hearts, guide our understanding in such way we understand your word the way you want us to understand. Lord, remove whatever assumptions and predispositions that might prevent us from 
having your understanding and help us this morning. Help me to speak as clearly as I possibly can. Let you take center stage and let me fade into the background. In Jesus' name we all pray. Amen. Friends, I, uh, as, as Chongjin uh, so kindly have introduced me just now, uh, you now know I've spent a significant amount of time with youth ministry. And what I've learned in youth ministry, one of the best ways to share God's word is to interact with you. So every now and then, I'm going to ask you to repeat after me or tell your neighbor something. Is that okay? Okay, let's practice that right now. Is that okay? Fantastic. Praise the Lord. So while I was preparing this message, I actually went back to basics. And I looked at what I learned from the foundation books that we use for baptism and membership. What I found was an example of what Jesus did with a small group of 12 people. You see, he spent time with them and later sent them out to preach to the first century church. This is a short passage that I just read to us, but if you look at it with the aim to put it into passage, you will soon realize that it is short but very profound. I'm not going to... Uh, going, I'm not going into the routine activities of small group that we have, uh, which we're very familiar already, but I'm just going to unpack some of the principles and some reflections of this passage that were just read to us just now. If you allow me, let me read to you one more time from uh, the New Living Translation. So Mark chapter 3, verse 14. Then he appointed 12 of them and called them his apostles. They were to accompany him, and he would send them out to preach, giving them authority to cast out demons. Friends, four things we can pick up from this passage. The first one is this. Turn to your neighbor and say, copy Jesus. Yeah, exactly. And those of you at home, if you have a neighbor next to you, you can also turn to your neighbor and say, copy Jesus, all right? That's right. So, copy Jesus. To copy Jesus... It implies that we have to observe what, what Jesus is doing, understand his purpose, and then take action to replicate in our lives. It's an active pursuit. It's an active pursuit. So one of the purpose of small group is for us to become more like Jesus every day. Ephesians chapter, uh, chapter 5 verse 1 Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are His dear children. You know, it's easy to forget why we do what we do uh, on a, on, at CG, from week, uh, at small group, from week to week, uh, especially if you have been in small group for quite a few years already. Uh, and more so, if small group activities have remained unchanged, for a long time. So this is a reminder that God brought us together as a small group for the purpose of observing what Jesus does, understand his purpose, and take action to replicate it in our lives. You know, sometimes we connect the purpose of small group to the perceived most important activity on Thursday or on, or on Friday, whichever day your small group meets. For some small, for some small group, the most important activity is worship. 
For some others, it is the word, the, the time when we study the scriptures. Still others, it is the time of prayer. Depending on how much time we spend, the longer we spend on that one activity, that's the activity we think is the most important in small group. For example, if a small group spends uh, most of the time in studying the word, then majority of the small group members will think that word is, is the most important activity in small group. So if something comes up just before small group starts, members of the small group might choose to skip the icebreaker or skip the worship at the beginning and make sure to make it in time just for the word portion of small group. And if they need to leave early, they will leave after the word is done and skip prayer and fellowship at the end. The problem then becomes small group members have a perspective that obtaining knowledge of the Bible is the purpose of small group and they will not be expecting anything else from the small group. So this is where the trouble begins. When the small group leader tries to hold members accountable to practice what they recently learned, members will take a back seat. Because to them, they had already fulfilled the purpose of small group by attending and listening to the word portion of small group. After all, that was the most important part of small group, right? So let me be clear, friends. There is nothing wrong with having the word portion at small group. And we should continue to have the word portion at small group. But we should not stop there. We should continue from there. Because copying Jesus requires us to observe Jesus in the scripture, understand his purpose. The first two steps are covered through the word portion. But to apply into our lives, we need to do more than just the study. Yeah? You know, in verse 14, it says, Then he appointed 12 of them and called them his apostles. They were to, take note of this word, accompany him. They were to accompany him. Meaning, having observed what Jesus did, having listened to what Jesus taught them, they now have to put it into practice by accompanying Jesus. Meaning, Jesus gathered them, they observed what they did, sought to understand Jesus, and when they sought to understand, if you notice, you read through the Gospels, they actually asked Jesus questions when it came to application. They actually asked Jesus questions every now and then, and that's fine. They even, if you notice, read through the, the Gospels carefully, you will also notice that they actually struggled, they wrestled with the teachings of Jesus. They wrestled with the truth within themselves. And then, having wrestled with it, they turned it into action. They applied it. They did it. They copied Jesus. So for us today, in small groups, we need to remember that one of the main purpose of small group is to copy Jesus, really. To do that, we need to do all three, not just two or one. We need to do all three. Observe, we need to observe Jesus. We need to understand and take action 
to become like Jesus. Don't get stuck only at observing or understanding only. We need to move further than that. We need to copy Jesus. Why? Because faith without works or without application is dead. This is found in James chapter 2, verse 17. Yeah. So, moving on to the next principle. Turn to your neighbor and say, let God change you. Yeah, that's right. I see some people are like turning to their neighbors and say, yeah, that's right. Let God change you. <laughs> but friends, really, it, it is true. You see, if we're honest with ourselves, we know that we can observe and we can understand what we read from scriptures, especially during small group time. Observing and understanding is not our challenge. Maybe we might even have a very spirited discussion and it makes everyone feel great at the end of small group. But if we don't let God change us, we will not become like Jesus. The process is not complete if we don't allow God to change us. Why? Because then every small group meeting, we will read the scripture, we would have discussion, we answered questions, we come off feeling great about ourselves, but there's no transformation in our lives. Again, faith without works is dead. So one prayer I pray every time uh, in, in my daily conversation, in my daily devotion with God is a paraphrased version of Psalm 139, verse 23 to 24. And this is what it says. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Well, to put it very candidly to you, when I pray this prayer every morning, I didn't pray exactly these words, but I took the gist of it. And most mornings, my prayer go like this. Lord, would you please search my heart and know my thoughts, my intentions. If you find anything in my heart that is not right in your eyes, please correct me in Jesus' name. You know, sometimes it's a scary prayer to pray if you realize what this actually involves. To, to ask God, God, would you please search my heart? You know, he's a God who knows <laughs> He's a God who knows every single one of our thoughts. And I laugh because with God, there's nothing to hide and nothing we can hide, regardless of what we say. The beauty of it is this. Even though He knows each and every one of our thoughts and intentions, even when we are not sure of our own intentions sometimes, He is sure and He is very clear. The best part is, regardless of what these intentions are, so long as we come to Him, His posture is always to welcome with arms open wide. He will always tell you, my son, my daughter, I love you. I love you just the way you are and I will always, always accept you the way you are. And this is why I take comfort in praying this prayer, knowing 
that God is not going to judge me and he will always welcome me every day that I come and sit and meet with him. Yeah? So that's the comforting part. At the same time, <laughs> he knows all my intentions, even the nasty ones. And that's when he points it out to me, Jonathan, this area, this thing that you did yesterday, this thought that you had just now, that thing you did just last night, I want you to work on it. Yeah? So that's what this prayer does. That's what this prayer does. And, uh, and what this prayer does is really preparing my heart to be changed by God. And this is my point. Let God change you. Yeah? The very essence of allowing God to change us is really to be open to Him. Knowing that He always accepts us, He always loves us. Nothing we can do that will make Him love us more and nothing we can do that will make Him love us less either. His love for us is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yeah? So, the reason why I'm, I'm elaborating this for you is so that you know you can be comforted and you know you can come into God's presence anytime and say, God, would you please search my heart, know my thoughts, my intentions, and if you find anything that's not right, please lead me to life everlasting. In other words, God, if you see anything that's not right in my heart, please change me. Yeah? You see, if we are not open to God that way, it sometimes also means that we deny, we don't acknowledge that these challenges, these difficulties, these thoughts that we have, they are not aligned with God. Uh, and if we don't acknowledge that, then there is nothing for God to correct. And if we don't acknowledge it, then we, it also means to have a close posture towards God and not being open to Him and not allowing Him to change us. So the first and the most important step is really to allow Him, uh, to open up our hearts to Him and allowing Him to change us. Yeah? So let's put this into application. It is the same thing in our small groups as well. When we read God's word and we need to prepare our hearts to be changed by him as well, both individually and as a group, as a small group. And this decision is something we need to start with individually. No one can make that decision for us. Yeah? So that when everyone makes that same decision, that same commitment in the small group, then you will begin to see transformation begin to happen in the entire small group because everyone is asking God, God, please change us. Yeah. Moving on. The third principle. Turn to your neighbor and say, be vulnerable. Yeah, that's right. Be vulnerable. You see, it's one thing to be open to God personally, one-to-one. It's another thing altogether to be vulnerable before our small group. Yeah? If you have been in small group for a long time, actually it's very easy to get comfortable with people there at surface level uh, to say highs and bys and, and then keep it there. And when people ask, you know, the customer, customary, how are you? 
Even though you're hurting inside, the answer is always, ah, yes, I'm good, thank you. But is, are things really good on the inside and back home and at our workplaces? Sometimes not necessarily so. Yeah. And, and this is understandable because given our Asian culture, given our Malaysian culture, we grew up learning not to air our dirty linens outside. Isn't that true? Uh, meaning we don't share our pains. We don't share our struggles or much less our shame with other people. And we don't, when we don't share these personal struggles with the small group whom we are supposed to be closest to, by the way, in church, that's, when, that's also when we don't receive the support that we need. Why? Because if we are all okay all the time, then there is no need for our friends in small group to help us. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that we should create needs all the time and get people to help us all the time. No. But being vulnerable enough to share our concerns at a given time, our challenges at a given time, even though they pertain with uh, challenges at home with the family or at our workplace, our career, if we're not vulnerable like that, then there's no opportunity for the small group to pray for us, to care for us, to follow up with us, and much, and they can't even help us in tangible ways either. Hebrews 10.24 says this, let us think of ways to motivate one another in acts of love and good works. You see, it is when we are willing to be vulnerable, we can motivate one another to empathize with each other and we can encourage each other. When we are willing to be vulnerable at small group, at the same time accept each other without condition, we begin to show that we are indeed disciples of Jesus. You see, part of, part of the reason why uh, Pastor Shen and myself have been friends for such a long time is also because we were in the same small group back when we were younger, uh, back when, before we were pastors, back before we even thought and realized that God is calling us to be pastors. Way before then, we were in a small group together. And Regardless, you see, Pastor Shen all knows all of my weaknesses. I also know all of Pastor Shen's weaknesses. Don't ask me what they are. <laughs> but the point is, regardless what those weaknesses are and whenever they show up, we accepted each other because that's, because that's what we learned at small group. Of course, being human, there's, there are moments of us judging each other at one time or another and I'm being very transparent with you. The reason is because, well, I don't want you to see myself or any, any pastors to be like, you know, the perfect people. We're not. We are humans just like all of you. We too are susceptible to sin. Yes, we're pastors, we know the word of God, but doesn't make, that doesn't make us immune to sin. It just makes us even more aware of our own sins. Yeah. So, my point is, friends, when we're willing to be vulnerable, I think if you are the one hearing your friend being vulnerable at small group, hearing a certain challenge or a certain weakness in their lives, it is important to not judge. 
it is important to accept them with no conditions still. Why? Because John 13, 35 says this, Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Our love for each other will prove to the world, not just the whole Penang City, not just Malaysia, but to the whole world, that we are indeed followers of Jesus Christ. You see, if we seek to be an impactful church, in order, remember that people stay in church ultimately because of relationships. If we want those relationships to remain, this is key, friends. Picture this. At one point in your church life, in the life of this church, and when you have, when you have done outreach to a point where people are beginning new Christians, not talking about Christians from another church, another Methodist church, no. I'm talking about pre-believers, people who previously were not Christians. They start coming into church. They start coming to small groups. What's really important for them to see happen at the small group is that they know that even when they are vulnerable to us, we do not judge them but love them instead with the same love that Jesus loved us. That's really, really important. And that's when we make an impact, one person at a time. Yeah? Our love for one another will prove to the world that we are Jesus' disciples. Why the world? Well, because that is God's vision for us. We're not meant to impact only our community here in this area. We're not meant to impact the community here only in Penang City, only in Penang Island. No, our love for God will naturally, naturally, when we love, people will know about the love of Jesus Christ all throughout Penang Island, all throughout Penang Island and mainland, all throughout Malaysia, all throughout Southeast Asia and to the ends of the earth. We don't have to do fancy publicity. We don't have to, we don't have to spend millions or perhaps even billions of ringgit. I don't even think we have that uh, on publicity and marketing to do so just to say, put up a big banner and say, Jesus is here. No, but what is an even bigger and even more effective way to communicate to people that, the, that Jesus is indeed Lord is simply by loving one another, accepting one another. Yeah? So at our small groups, it is very important to have this principle. Everything we share here stays here. And if I remember correctly, this is a, this is a rule that Pastor Shen come up with at our small groups back in the day. Yeah, everything we share here stays here. Meaning, in order to allow everybody in the small group to be vulnerable and, and be, feel safe enough to share, is that everything that we're going to share here stays within these four walls. We're not going to discuss it uh, anymore after the small group, not even with our spouse. The reason why we share it is for the purpose of prayer. And that's what it's for. Yeah? so that everyone feels comfortable sharing. It's a safe space to share, yeah? And that's what a small group should be, a safe space to share, yeah? This way, we create, uh, we create the opportunity and an environment where everyone in small group can share deeply 
and vulnerably. And this in turn will allow us to practice the next principle. Turn to your neighbor and say, expect to move to the next maturity level. Friends, can I just tell you this? We are not meant to stay at one maturity level forever. Can I say that one more time? We are not meant to stay at one maturity level forever. Look at Jesus' goal for the apostles. Verse 14, they were to accompany him and, they, and he would send them out to preach. Let me pause there for a short while. How many of you picture yourself preaching here one day? No hands. How many of you have never thought of it? Don't dare to answer also. <laughs> yeah, I think that's fair. I, I, I don't want to put you on the spot, but friends, let me tell you this. The small group is where the rubber meets the road. It is ground zero where we grow personally into maturity. It is ground zero where we move to the next level of maturity. Why? Because after Jesus taught his disciples, what did he do? He sent them out to preach. The disciples listened, they understood, they asked questions, they struggled with it, and then they applied. What happened next? Jesus sent them out to share what they have just learned. So, when I say preach, I don't necessarily mean each and every one of you take turns, come up here, preach, and then go down the other side. But what I really do mean is actually picture yourself one day sharing the Word of God, even though it's short, three minutes, five minutes, that's still sharing. Share the Word of God with somebody else. Yeah? Why do we aim for that? Because when we are able to preach, to teach, even though a short message, it means we have learned that particular passage. We have understood it in our minds. We have struggled with it, struggled to apply it into our own lives. That's when it moves down from our head to our heart. And then we share that with other people. Yeah? The best, usually the best materials for this is sharing your devotional, your devotional with somebody else. That's the best raw material. Why? Because we go through that same process doing our devotional. We read, we understand the passage, struggle with it, apply in our lives, then we share it with somebody else. Yeah? So doing that alone moves us to the next maturity level. Because that way, especially when we having learned and having struggled with it, it's not just all talk anymore. It is application already. Yeah? So let me continue reading. Verse 14, they were to accompany him and he would send them out to preach, giving them authority to cast out demons. Why do I highlight this? You see, when Jesus sent his disciples out, and the same way just as he's sending us out today, he always empowered them. So just as Jesus empowered the apostles last time, he will continue to empower us today because we today are his disciples. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Not very convincing, but can I hear it again? Amen. Hallelujah. Yes, each and every one of us is a disciple of Jesus Christ. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are a disciple of Jesus. That's right. 
Disciple means a follower of Jesus Christ. All of us here follow Jesus, amen? Amen, hallelujah. So when, you, when we are disciples of Jesus, and when we obey his call, he always empowers us. He always sends us out with authority. Not authority in our own name. Not authority in the name of the church, but authority in the name of Jesus Christ, the name above all names, the Lord of all lords, the King of all kings. That's the authority we go with. So go not with our own confidence, not with our experience, not with our skills, not even with our knowledge, but go in the authority of Jesus Christ. Go and do so. Go and preach. Go and share His word. Go and share His love with the confidence in Jesus Christ. See, another purpose of small groups is that we grow spiritually not just so that other people can look at us and say, oh, we're more mature. No, not that. Not for that purpose. That only, that only makes our head grow big and that would be weird. But if we grow spiritually, is we grow spiritually, is so that God can deploy us for ministry. Yeah? We grow spiritually so that God can deploy us for ministry. I think of it this way, you know. God is the great architect. Uh, and all of us, uh, God is a great architect and he is embarking on a grand project. This project is called the kingdom of God. God is building his own kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. What is our role? Our role is that we are his workmen and his workwomen. We are the craftsmen. We are the skilled workers called to participate in this project that he is calling us to do. Let me be clear, huh? God is very capable, more than capable, of completing the project himself. He don't need us. But because he loves us, like a father loving a child, he gives us the privilege of coming alongside him and participate in the project with him. All right? Here's the thing. See, when we participate and when we, when we say, yes, I want to follow Jesus, I want to build a kingdom together with you, God, okay. So when God needs us and when he calls us, A, we got to be ready. We got to be alert. When he calls, we go straight away. We can't be saying, oh God, wait, uh, I'm busy right now. Let me settle this first. Let me settle that first. No. When the architect calls, we go. No delays. Okay, number one. Number two, we got to be not just ready as in available, but we got to be ready with our skills as well. That, you see, generally, there are two types of workers. There are the skilled workers who are masters at what they do, experts, and there are the workers who don't feel like working. Question is, which type of worker do you want to be? Which type of worker do we want to be? Do we want to be the master craftsman who is available and when God calls, we go and do a great work with the gifting that he's given us in the first place? Or are we going to be the kind of worker whom when God calls, sorry, I got not ready. Hey, you call me, I didn't hear you. Ah, wait, I'm coming, coming. And then when we get to the job, ah, actually, God, I don't really know how to do this. Lah. 
Is that the kind of worker we want to be? If not, we got to be ready. We got to prepare ourselves. Where does it start? At the small group. Small group is the training ground. It's ground zero. All right? So, when we copy Jesus, let me put it this way. Huh? Before that, we're called to be salt and light. Yeah? Nobody, if a, if a salt stays in a salt jar, it flavors nothing, it preserves nothing. Isn't that true? Those of you who cook, you know what I'm talking about. Huh? Those of you who don't cook, let me put it this way. We are also called to be light. Nobody turns on a light and then cover the light source. It defeats the purpose, yes? So as we copy Jesus, we need to let him change us. We need to be vulnerable to the small group. And we should also expect to be prepared to be used by God based on the gifts and talents he has given us. Yeah? Because every master craftsman have their specialty, correct? They have their specialization. Similarly, God has given us gifts that makes us specialists at the various things that we are good at. Yeah? Here's an example from Scripture, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Friends, this list of apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, this is not an exhaustive list. Just in case you're wondering, oh, okay, I'm uh, apostle, okay, la, not me. Prophet, uh, definitely not me. Evangelist, nah, maybe somebody else. Pastor, no, that's the one standing in front. So I'm none of these, so I'm off the hook. No, this is not an exhaustive list, friends. If you want an exhaustive list, well, you also find, if you do a bit of digging in scripture, you'll find a longer list, okay? Still then, still then, beyond this list, God is creative enough, mighty enough, to give us specific gifts that is relevant to our current context right here and right now. Yeah? So, let me bring this whole idea into our context now. Here are some things we can look forward to. If you're currently a musician in a worship team, look to the possibility of teaching other musicians about worship about worship, not so much about music, but teach about worship. You have experience already, yeah? Consider it. If you are a worship co-leader, look to the possibility of being a worship leader one day. If you are already the worship leader, look to the possibility of being able to teach the church about worship, not just the team, just as your pastor does. If you're a SG member, look to the possibility of being an SG leader in the future. Because if we do it right, we should be growing and we should be discipling others, just as our small group leader currently do. They are discipling us right now. If you're already the small group leader, look to the possibility of discipling other leaders coming after you. 
And if you are in the church leadership, look to the possibility of discipling the church as your pastor does and mentoring someone who will one day take over from you. Friends, when all of us expect to move to the, to the next level of maturity, we expand the church's capacity to disciple and to lead others. And that allows the church to grow deep, to grow deep and wide in our roots. And this will allow the church to fulfill the mission of making disciples of all nations. Yes, all nations. Not just Penang. All nations. That is God's call, not mine. God says all nations. Zechariah 4 verse 6. I want to encourage you further because some, sometimes I understand hearing this message for the first time. You might be thinking, but still I don't have a lot of ability. I am afraid. I am worried. Well, Zechariah 4 verse 6 says this. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. In other words, we don't make disciples of all nations by our own experience or intellect or skill. No, those are all our might. Those are our power. That's not how God wants to build his church. That's not how God wants to build his kingdom. He wants to build his kingdom by his spirit. It's almost like, you know, all of us have our phones these days. And uh, phones these days, they have to be connected to a charger by a wire, right? So a lot of times, we like to be independent, disconnected from God, and we want to function on our own independently. But on our own, on our own there's only so much we can do. When the battery reaches zero, that's it right? Even at 15% balance, it's beeping like nobody's business already. It's flashing red. <laughs> no battery. Cannot lay But when we plug in to the resource that is the Holy Spirit, who is God himself, then we don't have to worry about resources anymore. We don't have to worry about what we don't know anymore. We don't have to worry about what's the best way forward anymore because all those things are provided by God. Pastor, how do I know whether this person will listen to me? Whether, how do I know whether the environment is conducive enough? Whether they'll be, you know, impacted by God's word? Whether they'll listen? Whether the word will take root? Whether it will change their lives? No need to worry about all that. Because that's the job of the Holy Spirit. Conviction of the heart is the job of the Holy Spirit. Not by might, nor by power, but it is by God's Spirit that we go and make disciples of all nations. It is by God's Spirit that we impact our community. So friends, God will build His kingdom on earth by His Spirit. Can we say amen to that? Amen. Hallelujah. So I want to close with this. Community, to impact our community. It begins with our attitude in our small groups. When we begin to see small group as the place to copy Jesus, to let God change us, to be vulnerable, and the place where we expect to move to the next maturity level, with time, 
the church will grow and have roots that are deep and wide. Small groups were never meant to be static. They were never meant to be a program and definitely not a dead tradition. It is supposed to change us to be like Jesus and we have to actively pursue him. If you agree to this today, then you, be, you get to begin this week. No need to wait. You will receive discussion notes for your SG this week and I encourage you to talk about this, have a discussion at your SG about what you just heard today uh, and make a commitment together to practice these four principles that we just learned from Scripture. I personally believe that God grows people through the small group and my prayer is by God's Spirit that you will grow too, that this church will grow. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we give you thanks for the example that you have shown us. Through Jesus' example with the 12 disciples, you have shown us what small groups are supposed to be like. You have shown us your intention for the small groups and your direction for the small groups. Lord, we pray that as we wrestle with your word today, help us to just be vulnerable before you. Help us to be vulnerable with our small group members and our friends as well. And help us to be to begin to see that the small group is really the place for us to grow into the next maturity level. Lord, even though we know all these things, it's still scary. So we ask for your help. We ask for your confidence. We ask for your enabling and your empowerment. Be with us, Lord. And I, and I pray, O oh Father, for Trinity Penang, that you speak to each and every heart. You remove all obstacles and you bless this church, that this church will be a beacon of light that shines all throughout Penang and the rest of the country and tells the world that Jesus Christ is indeed Lord by their love. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless, friends.